Welcome to Dragon Talk. No. Shelly's calling it today. That came out of nowhere. I am so excited for it to be here. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm Shelly Mazanoble, and I'm joined as always by Greg Tito. Here I am. It's freaking <laughs> Friday over here. We're just taking on each other's roles now. It's, it's, and it's, I wish you would take on these roles, if you know what I mean. <laughs> my you know, Your fat roles? I guess then my pants wouldn't be so tight. Uh, role playing game is uh, is supposed to be all about right. Oh, that's right. Those are also different types of roles. <laughs> mm. I'm gonna roll for uh, confusion on that one. Very excited to be here for the organized I know you, play. I was gonna say, but you're thrown because you didn't do the opening. It's true. It's confusing. Uh, it's a D and D celebration has celebratory episode today. Yes, because we celebrated our favorite hobby all weekend long, D&D Celebration. The community came out, and I, I, couldn't you just feel the love? There was so much yeah. love for D&D. They talked to each other. They played Dungeons and Dragons together. They watched each other roll dice and slay monsters and learn about new, fun, exciting books coming out, like Fizzbands, Treasury of Dragons, and Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and we made another announcement. <gasps> so many announcements were made. A brand new gift set coming out. The uh, rule official rules. The Dungeons and Dragons rules expansion gift set. Wow. Wow. You would yeah. think that I haven't written that title 797 times in emails. Who were the um, ad wizards who came up with that one? <laughs> That, that, was, that was us, actually. We were the ad wizards. Get it? Because we're wizards of the cards. <laughs> and we add words to yeah. law, already long titles. So that's a great gift set. Check it out. It'll be out in January for all of you to level up your libraries with. Um, but I'm most excited about everyone jumping in and playing some Feywild-themed oh adventures, God. some crazy carnivals. The Wild Beyond the Witchlight released last week, and we got to see it in full fairy action. <laughs> full fairy action. Um, I am delighted. Not just seeing people taking really fun elements of this adventure and dropping them into the games at D&D Celebration, uh, but also just... Seeing the people of the interwebs getting their copies and posting about how excited they are or like sections of the book that they're really excited to dive into and um, all the great reviews that are coming out from it, including yeah. this one that was my favorite just because of the the headline that called The Wild Beyond the Witchlight D&D for Theater Kids. I know. That was for us. It's for that us, Shelley. Is, I, that was um, Polygon, Charlie Hall, our, our good friend, who I definitely felt like was really just writing, it's D&D for Greg and Shelley. <laughs> and the D&D community at large, you know? How Absolutely. cool is that? So yes. many wonderful performers, which we got to see on display at D&D Celebration, including... Uh, the amazing cast of, or some of the cast members from Star Trek Discovery playing together along with Will Wheaton. How cool was that? Oh my God. That's like, seriously, your dream come true to see it your really favorite is. show and your favorite game together. All oh, It's like the fandoms colliding. We got to see uh, the D&D musical that I, we've been talking about, uh, speaking of theater kids, for the longest time. And I'm so excited that Kelly Lynn D'Angelo and the entire team put that together for this weekend. It oh my was, God, they did it. A barnstormer. 
It was so fun. Also, just great to see these panels. I was really excited about like how to get kids involved in Dungeons and Dragons, the Dungeon Masters Roundtable. Um, uh, so many. I, I'm just blown away. But blown uh, away. Yeah, it's like so cool. I was blown away that I actually just blinked out. Like I seriously was just like, I can't. Like I just, I blew a fuse. There was just Too so much many happiness. Yes, but uh, fortunately, if you want to rewatch anything, or for some reason you just weren't glued to your computer this past weekend, I don't understand why. But you can watch all of this content on our YouTube channel. So uh, just check out the vods that are going to be posted there, the featured games and the panels. Totally worth a rewatch, even if you have watched it, because I know that I missed stuff because I, in some cases I was laughing too hard. And I just want to call out an earlier bit that you said that how you were delighted by the uh, amazing uh, response to the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And we have a Domains of Delight oh PDF available right now on the DMs Guild. $8 will, uh, that is donated all to Extra Life. Uh, all the proceeds from that going to the Extra Life, which is helping kids uh, and the Ch- uh, Children's Miracle Networks. Plus, you also get all this great stuff about yes. how to create your own domain of delight, uh, similar to the domains of dread, and how those are described in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. There is the opposite side in the Feywild, and I think that's really, really neat. And I want everyone to go to the DMs Guild right now to check it out and get delighted, like Shelley was delighted. For eight dollars, and you're helping sick kids. And there's so many fun tables in there, like Feywild curses and like shortcuts and um, quirks. Just go. Get it. Just Some get quarks it. quarks as well. Quarks. You're going <laughs> to love it. And uh, on top of our amazing interview that we have this week with Eric Jensen, a writer, director, performer, actor extraordinaire. He's got lots of hyphens in his uh, title. I know that. Former, potentially former neighbor of you, you from That's the true. Brooklyn days. Yeah. Um, we have a wonderful inside check with Chris Tulock, a longtime member of the Wizards of the Coast team, and you get to find out all about the you know Adventures League play that was going on during D and D celebration and then during every virtual play weekends. Yeah, uh, that he was the architect for. Uh, not to mention some really great content still available online right now of a map interactive on the website for D and D celebration where you can find out what's going on. Uh, or, or some of what's going on in the Witchlight Carnival and maybe figure out some some puzzles. And and get some cool rewards if you do. Oh, so. yeah. To, Chris Tulock is a wonderful, wonderful person. And even if you aren't familiar with his name, you have probably seen his work because he has worked on so many great programs and products yeah. for D&D. I know, right? And I think so far he has not been uh, front and center. So I'm very excited to let everybody know and get some Unsung. of what... He is Unfun doing. Hero. Well, here we on may. The team. So let's let's a- just blow up his ego and make him just a star. Inside check with Chris Let's welcome Chris Tulak to Insight Check. Hi, Chris. Yay! How are you doing? I'm doing good. Woohoo! You're real good. 
Hi, you, Chris. Well, I don't even know what your official title is, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. What is your official title? I don't even know either. <laughs> I've been bouncing around like a ping pong ball for years at Wizard, so who knows? Uh, no, actually, I think I think my official title now is uh, uh, is uh, D&D, uh, D&D uh, uh, Product Manager Play. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Or and D&D Play Product Manager. And I always think of you as the organized play person. Like you have been organizing organized play uh, at Wizards forever and ever. And it is always a testament from the magic side as well as now back on the D&D side of the fun that everybody has when they come together and play. Well, it's all thanks, due to you. Greg. That's nice. Yeah. Wow. And you have worked on D&D and magic. It's but, true. But uh, you and I, we, I think like... Maybe when we were really working together for the first time was probably around D and D encounters. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, around the fourth edition era. I yeah, I started I started working at Wizards in '06, so like the tail end of 3.5. I remember oh. my uh, my first day in the office. My boss at the time was Ian. Uh, pulled me aside and was like, "Okay, I gotta tell you something really secret. We're working on fourth edition, right?" Ooh. And so. You have to, you know, like, this is my first, I didn't know we were working on fourth edition, right? Um, and this is my first day in the office, like an hour one, right? And and he's like, so, you know, you have to start thinking about, like, now that you're here at Wizards, like creating a whole new organized play program suite for fourth edition when it comes out in a couple of years. And it's like, okay. That's <laughs> so, like, like, hour one, it's like, here you go, right? Um, so, yeah, so fourth edition, yeah, and... With Shelly, um, yeah, I, I started working with you on D&D Counters, and that was a really fun program, and I really had a great time building that with you because I think that was just really cool. It was Shelly was like the Shelly was like the you know the marketing side that had like all the all like the insights into like what our you know what our uh, you know what our player behaviors might be, and I was just sort of like you know building like the program side, right, like how how people could actually play the thing, right? And it was yeah. super fun. Yeah, let me roll an insight check on whether or not he, uh, that statement was true. Whether or not, yeah. whether or not oh. he liked working with me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, I got, a, I got a 16 on the die. Uh, so I, I think You're that checks out. Truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the other things that you worked on that I loved was Larisol. Oh, yeah, Larisol too. Yeah, oh. yeah, that was a fun program. Uh, we did a lot of really interesting uh, kind of innovative things in 4th edition that, you know, I think we learned a lot from too. Um, mm-hmm. And Larisalt was really cool because it was, um, it was like we had D&D counters, which was sort of like the, you know, the every person program at a store where you go every, remember we made it like as I, this is our Wednesday night D&D program, right? Yeah. And yeah. every Wednesday you go into the store, you play for a couple hours, you'd have fun, you'd have a bite-sized play experience and then come back the next week. And that was like super cash. And then Larisalt was for all those people that were like, I want like the meatiest, most beat down tactical encounter I'll ever get, right? And so we made this program that was basically like for people that love the tactical and miniature side of D and D, right? And and that was really fun too. That was really cool. We we uh, had a lot of people that really enjoyed that program too as well. They were they were kind of like both like two sides of a coin, right? And kind of together they were like, okay, it doesn't matter what kind of D and D player you are, you have something for you. So yeah, that's, that's right. what I loved about it. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, what so you, what are some of the things that you work on now? Because I know that people, even I know many of people know your name, but if, even if they don't know your name, they know the work that you're doing because you're yeah. kind of everywhere in the community. Yeah, I well, you know, I went on, 
a little bit of a walkabout in the company for a few years and, and went out into the wilderness of magic. Um, <laughs> in 2015, I, I transitioned off D&D, organized play. Um, so after uh, the D&D Adventures League program got started, I, I started that program up uh, for fifth edition and then handed that off and then uh, went over to work on magic. I worked on magic organized play for a while. Um, I helped rebuild uh, a lot of the store play programs on the magic side um, and change magic's store focus from like super tournament focus to uh, being more uh, uh, open to a lot of other types of players like casual players. Uh, that was sort of my big mission. And, uh, and then, you know, after I did that for a little while, I did some brand management on magic side. So I could, I could get the sense of what it felt like to be a Shelly Mazzanoble, but from the magic side, wow. that was fun. And then, uh, and then I started working on events, uh, just like straight up events, right. Uh, uh, for a couple of years and did that. And then that led me back over here because I started working on D and D events when D and D needed a little extra help. And, uh, Greg yeah. and I worked a lot on D and D live, uh, last year, not this last, not this past D and D, 2020, yeah. 2020 D &D which live. was, which was a crazy undertaking because oh, we was... had so many plans for an in-person event. And then something yeah. happened. I forget what yeah, it was. 20, yeah, happened. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 2019, <laughs> we, we were like, it's just going to happen. Hmm. We, had the, we had the, remember, we had the venue all locked in. Yeah. We through all of the plans, you know, uh, you know, we were, we were all ready to, ready to go, right? I did site visits, right? Right before, right before, you know, the, the thing that happened, happened. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I did site visits and, you know, we were ready yeah. to go. And, and then, and then, we were just like, well, do we not do an event this year or what? And, you know, we, you know, we all came together and said, no, we, we do an event this year. And we just, we, we, we're doing it, we're doing it online and we're doing it live and we're going to, and that was the first time Wizards did a fully virtual event. And I don't know, Greg, but that was, it was something else to, to do that on that, like in just like, like two and a half, three months or whatever we had, yeah. putting together that event and 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 making it be what it was, especially when it when it happened, like in the you know summer of 2020, which was I just know, dude, right? There were so many factors. Time. Yeah, there were so many factors that were pulling that that whole thing down. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, it's a testament to you, to your kind of. Uh, I don't know, just positivity. I don't think and we like, knew we were going to do the event until like the week of the event either. We yeah, were just like is this? <laughs> well, there was that happen? too. I, yeah, because <laughs> you know. I don't think anybody wants There's to talk so about a, a tabletop role playing game when there's riots happening in the yeah. streets. Uh, it was you know. oh god. Yeah, it was it was just such a time. I mean, it it's one of those things that I'll always look back on and go that like I remember everything about like especially those last couple of weeks, yeah. right? Like everything because it was so like it was so emotional, right? It was such an emotional time. I mean, it was an emotional time for wizards too. It was like we were going to do this event. And we were going to bring people together and we were going to play D and D and we we're going to have fun, you know, in, even in spite of all this, but also just kind of keeping all that stuff still, you know, at the forefront, you know, right. and be mindful of it. And, and you did a great job actually. Like I want to make sure everybody knows like that it was, uh, all your, I don't know, stick to that kept uh, <laughs> a lot of it going through all these tough periods of time. You know, you organized so much, and uh, I don't think it would have been, you know, even close to the event that it was without without your kind of leadership taking it there. Oh, thanks, Greg. That's really yeah. nice of you to say. No, it, I don't no, know. it was great. It, it, it was awesome. I, got, I rolled a two, so that was you rolled two. Well, Liar. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> yes. Um, no. Uh, the the no that it was great, and and it was a really it was really great for me too, per professionally because and personally because I got to work with Greg, you a lot 
uh, you know, a lot more closely than I ever had before. Yeah. And it was really cool because I got to appreciate your, you know, like your job, your role, like the, the, um, the fact that you're such an advocate for the community at large and that you really are mindful of, you know, the issues that are really affecting the community. And you're always, you know, inside of wizards working to help to champion, you know, their perspectives. Right. And that's really cool. And it was great. And, and I just loved, there was a good team. We had a great team. Shelly was awesome working, doing her things on the marketing side too. Right. Um, and it was so, it was such a good event. And it's and like, then- you know, I remember when I was, I remember when I was like 16 and the Berlin wall fell. And I remember like everything about that when that happened, right? Because I was so big into history and politics at the time yeah. that it was just like, it was like such a like indelible part of my life. And D and D live 2020 was, is like that kind of, to me too. It's like at that moment in time, I'll remember that, like all of that, the feeling around that event, like what I was doing, you know, juggling the kiddo, you know, cause right, I, have a, little, a new I baby. have a little guy at home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's pretty young at the time. He wasn't even two yet. Um, so tiny. And I just remember all of it, right? Because yeah, it was yeah. such a cool... Well, and you said we learned a lot from it. And I think we did. And and I, I want to highlight the work you've been doing on the virtual play weekends. I uh, yeah. was going to bring that up too as a positive that yeah, came it from was, all of Yeah, it was this. great. The virtual... So yeah, we we did so we did that event last... Or, yeah, in 2020, in summer 2020. And then we, you know, we kind of... We knew that we were going to run it back sort of again for D&D Celebration. And we created the first D&D Celebration uh, last year. Um, while we're while we're talking about this now, we're just about ready to kick off the next celebration. I think we're starting preview. We're and when people tomorrow. hear this, D and D celebration will have been in the books. Think, uh, yeah, it'll be done. So they would have had a great time. Yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll have so much fun. <laughs> um, come join us in 2022 for whatever we're deciding to do next. Um, <laughs> so, um, so oh, yeah, um, that, that's true. That was that oh, was true. That, that was your true true like moment. Right, right. right. That's my one. That's my one. Oh, but um, I love that that's, that kept, has kept going with D&D Celebration, like all the stuff that we learned, like, you know, it is it is a virtual event, it's bringing yeah. people together from all over the world. I love that you've been working with folks to try to bring in, you know, different language uh, speaking DMs and, and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, our, our, yeah, and and we, out of out of Celebration last year, which was a really, really big success too, where we kind of, kind of shifted focus a little bit to more, more on the, like the play side, right? Like in the deep product kind of like first look stuff and things like that. Um, you know, we, we realized, you know, I think right around the time when we were getting ready to like kick that event off that we really needed to keep this goat momentum going. We were, you know, mm-hmm. we were still kind of in deep in the pandemic, you know, last, last summer, you know, early fall, we were like, we don't know how long this is really going to go. Um, but we recognized, I think that, you know, this, you know, bringing people together for virtual events is awesome. And our D and D play community loves it. And, and it's something we can do on a sustainable basis. So let's do it. And so then last November, we kicked off our first, first virtual play weekend, a monthly, a monthly program we do. And we've been doing that every month since. And our organizer, Baldman Games, runs that for us. And uh, it's a great program. And it keep, brings people together every month around the world to play D&D. And um, we just love it. We, you know, we, think it's, we think it's just a really good way for anyone to basically uh find people to play with even if you don't have a regular group you know you can just be in your your you know your pajamas at home playing D D with people around the world and that's just so cool um and have pajamas yeah, on right now yeah right <laughs> how else do you play D? i'm sorry right, I'm right, confused exactly. by this. right yeah greg greg has no real pants on right now. <laughs> that's true um so 
I know that's so <laughs> you don't awesome. know what's going on down there. Great um, pants. Uh, you know that you've been at the forefront of this, and I think people, you know, uh, would love to know a little bit more. Like, what 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 does that mean on a day to day basis? Like, what what are what is how does running an event like this kind of uh, feel for you? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, so the things like like virtual play weekends, those are those are much smaller in scope, and we kind of have a nice blueprint now. You know, the first couple of them were like, you know, it was like, okay, you know, you're kind of like working with your organizer and you're like, am I micromanaging my organizer? Are they, have they got this, you know, but I want to make sure it's okay. Right. Um, but, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, after a little bit of time passed, right. We, you know, at least structurally, like everything's kind of there. Um, so for the virtual play weekends now, those are really great. And I really, my role is to, um, is to make sure organizer has uh, anything that, that his staff needs to, uh, to make that event run well, um, to be basically the uh, facilitator conversation between our web platform partners that, you know, because we host this stuff on the yawning portal, um, which is basically our event and ticketing system, um, and, and our organizer Baldwin games. So basically kind of be that go between, make sure that all of the, you know, be an advocate for what our organizers doing, um, for our other partners um, and then um, making sure, like content side, that they're buttoned up, right? That we always have something coming up that is going to be really exciting and fun for the players. Like Shelly and I worked um, a little bit on um, earlier this year on talking about, well, what if we start doing like like product reviews, right? At at virtual play weekends. So we started with Candlekeep Mysteries, mm. right? And you could play some of the adventures from Candlekeep Mysteries before you could buy the book. Right. And so we started doing a little bit more of that. And as the year's gone on, we've kind of, as this year's gone on, we've kind of done more and more of that. We're going to continue to do that because it's a really good uh, venue for us to be able to have some of our, you know, some of our fans from around the world be able to kind of sample something through play, which I think is like the, one of the best ways to kind of preview something, right? Like just play it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, you don't know you want to drive a, you know, like you see, you see an awesome car. Right, that you want to buy, right? And you got to test drive it, right? You got to you got to take it out, right, and see if you like it. So, yeah, and, yeah. So, and what yeah. I love too about those virtual play weekends is that a lot of times we hear from people like, "I want to play D anD don't know, I don't have a group to play with, or I don't have anywhere, you know, anyone to teach me. I don't have a dungeon master." And it's like, well, we do. We yeah, have we taken have dungeon all masters, of that out right? for you. And they're and they're these are like the some of the best dungeon masters in the business, right? These yeah. are these are people that are. You know, pros, right? At what they yeah. do. Yeah, many of them um, have you even know, uh, created some adventures league content in the past. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And so they're 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 great. You know, there's a you know there's a you know organizer that you, you know you, you you can you know you can kind of be reassured that no matter what happens at the table, you know you you, you know you have that organizer there that's going to be providing a safe and welcoming environment for you, even in a virtual space, right? And and so there's always staff there to help you, right? Um, so it's it's a great way to kind of get interested in D and D and kind of get involved. We run learn to play games every month at 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 uh, the virtual play weekends, and people show up that have never played before or haven't played fifth edition before, and it's been forever, right? Yeah. You know, and it, it's it's really 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 cool to see that. And Shelley, to your point, yeah, we have that growing audience of people that are playing virtual play weekends, um, you know, from other countries, specifically uh, in other languages. Um, we have a Love whole that. like like Brazilian Portuguese community that is out there at joining us every month for virtual play weekends, and they have their own sort of 
they have their own like little Discord channel that they that they use uh, for their DMs, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so that their players have a have an environment that is very welcoming to them from the get go, right? They don't have to worry about translating anything or you know whatever. You know, it's all in Brazilian Portuguese right there for them. So that's really cool. And we have a you know a contingent of German players and some Spanish language players and. Um, you know, I think we have a few French players too um, that join us. So, you know, it's just really great to, to see it that. It is. Yeah, it's but all, friends from all over the world. Yeah, and it's, it's just so like cool. a cool idea for like, you know, every we, we all have friends that are mm-hmm. just out wherever in the world. And it's just like a cool way to maybe time the, zones permitting. Yeah. Just get your group together and just and be like, hey, guys, yeah. I bought us a table. We're all yeah. just log yeah. in and let's yeah, play. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. And yeah. your work is so, super important, uh, Chris. I love that you were able to come here and talk to us about it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if any of it was... Okay, no, it's, I, I I believe most of it now with that uh, seven. <laughs> seven. <laughs> seven? Modified up to a nine, maybe, with my maybe. wisdom. Two I don't know. truths and a lie. Two, yeah, exactly. Two, two, are you proficient? and a lie. Are you proficient in insight? I don't no, know. Are you? Wait, can all. I give you an assist? Yes, Yeah, please. there you go. Roll advantage. an advantage, please, Ooh, Craig. I got a nine, so now I got a total oh, okay. of uh, nice. uh, 11. But thank you so much, dude. Yeah. Uh, your work Thanks for having me uh, has been kind of somewhat invisible. Uh, I think over the last uh, uh, little bit, I'm just love that we get to yep. show off uh, all and, of the things that you're doing here. And you can. Uh, and the other thing too is, uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm running all of our organized play, like our Adventures League program and things like that. If if you're ever interested in hearing the whys and how fors and things like that uh, on what we're doing on the organized play side. Um, I, you know, I do have a, a a blog that's been started on our Yawning Portal site called Game On, uh, at, that we talk about, where I talk about just like sort of like the bigger picture issues with organized play um, and why we're doing the things we do and where we're going from here. So that's Good something stuff. that you can check out if you if you head to the Yawning Portal and uh, and go to the there's a blog section at the bottom and you find look for the articles that are posted by me. Sweet. Um, yeah. Check it out, yawningportal.com. Sign up for virtual play weekends whenever you can. You'll get to see a lot of Chris's uh, work in I think it's dnd.wizards.com. It's yawningportal.dnd.wizards.com. Whoa, geez. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. You'll put a link to that somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, you'll find it. Yeah, you'll find it. But yeah, so yeah, it's really good. Do you want to shout out any of your social media uh, so that people can follow you Uh, there? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Chris Tulak. Uh, real simple. It's my name run together. So um, that's really the only uh, social media channel I use pretty regularly. Um, Great. And, you know, otherwise uh, you can kind of find me lurking around in Discord in the official D&D server. Um, if you ever want to pop into Discord and you see me, you can wave hi to me there. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on to Insight Check, Tulak. I think you Yeah, thanks for yep. having me, both of you. You're the best. We'll, we'll see you soon, okay? Okay. Yes. Chris is a wonderful individual. I'm so excited that we got to talk to him and give him some of the much-deserved kudos for not only, you know, I mean, Encounters is was one of the 
most well-loved parts of oh, yeah. that era of Dungeons and Dragons. It brought people together uh, in a whole new way. I think, you know, even some of the, my first for fourth edition experiences were in that program. And uh, that was really all up to, to Chris. And he designed it as we, we got to find out. I didn't even know that in, uh, in uh, going into that inside check. Oh, look at that. You learned something new. There was also a lot of kudos thrown in your direction, too. I was almost like, break it up, you guys. God, there's just we so love much you love as here. Well, Shelly, you're doing great work, too. <laughs> Whatever. Well, that's that's a little bit. I didn't make that uh, connection in the uh, little inside check that we just did, but it did feel like we were being good dungeon masters and making sure everybody got their spotlight. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, lifting people up. That's what we do. Lift you up. So go check out now our interview with Eric Jensen. You may have seen his work on the television. Uh, mm-hmm. or beamed through your computer screen into your eyeballs. Uh, he's, he's another unsung hero, and I can't wait to find out all about his D&D history. <laughs> Let's welcome Eric Jensen to Dragon Talk! Yay! So Hello, excited. Eric. Hey, guys. I'm really excited to be here. I've been uh, thinking about this all week, and <gasps> I, I wore my uh, Dungeons & Dragons shirt uh, that my my wife got me because of your show. She got me the uh, the subscription, nice. and uh, and I get a monthly T shirt uh, from D and D. So I'm really happy. That wow. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just I just love the show. Thanks for having me on. I've I've loved a lot of your guests, and I'm learning a lot from the show. It's making me a better DM. So like, thank oh you. My God. Nice. Wow, thank you for listening. That's amazing. And I'm excited to talk to you as a as a hyphenate actor, writer, director. <laughs> uh, what a great combination of skills! And it seems like right up your alley as far as you know playing D and D as long as you have. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, I, you know, if you if you want to hear my D and D origin story, just to oh, start, yes. I don't, I, I'm uh, okay. So um, I grew up in a very very small town. This is pre internet, uh, mm-hmm. called uh, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And there really wasn't much to do there. Uh, we could go to the movies. I got to see Star Wars uh, for the first time for a dollar um, at our little movie theater. I saw Time Bandits, uh, just me and my brother by ourselves in the theater because nobody nice. else was was watching it. <laughs> um, and and it's a very small town and um, very isolated and very insular. And I grew up in what uh, at the parlance of the time was a broken home. Uh, I grew up really rough, mm-hmm. uh, uh, very unhappy. Um, and I was like what they call a latchkey kid. So I sort of dove into books as, a, as, a, as an escape. And I moved to this new school district and um, I was immediately uh, flagged for a lot of uh, interpersonal problems I was having, but also um, for being a reader. And uh, <laughs> one day I got dragged into this room and uh, it was for, and now this is, I'm from Minnesota, so I'm going to say this, but you don't think I think this about myself. It was the Gifted and Talented program. Yeah. Um, um, but it was more for me, it was Gifted, Talented, and Really Troubled. <laughs> and um, anyway, I was dragged in this room, and there was this amazing teacher named Linda who showed up. And there were four of us in there. Um, all of us, I think, would qualify as sort of geeks or nerds. Uh, me, Richie Mike, and this other kid. And um, we did we do these games and puzzles together, and like we'd like read National Geographic and talk about space and holograms and all sorts of weird stuff. And then one day she brought in this, I believe, it was a red box, and it was uh, first edition uh, Keep of the Borderlands D and D. And she said we're going to play this game, and she DM'd us through our first adventure, and it was like my whole world just opened up. Oh, and Linda. all of a sudden, I was looking people in the eye. 
I was collaborating with people. I was interested in things outside of myself. Um, I was making really good friends and, um, and I was playing characters and, um, and it was just like, it was like, it was like the world opened up that day that she walked into that place. And so I think her name was Linda. And so Linda, if you're out there from the Futura program in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, thank you so much. You changed my life. Shout out to Linda. Seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so like, you know, and I've spent a career um, being uh, an actor, obviously, and D&D definitely was a a start of that. Um, That and community theater in my little hometown happened at the same time. So D&D and Shapoopy was my, um, but then, uh, but then, you know, as a, as a world builder too now, which is sort of part of my job, um, it's just been essential in that, in creating that, um, an an environment for me to, to sort of train in that and, and, and apply it to my work life as well. So. So when Linda showed up with the red box, was this like in like the eighties? Yeah, it was like, I think it was like, I can't remember what grade I was in exactly. Uh, It was, um, it must've been like 80, 81, like right in there because like here is uh, my first figure that I played with. This is from 1981. No way. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little rogue. Uh, His name, his name was Mercate. And uh, that's the only thing I have. I lost all my dice, but uh, I still have that little guy. He keeps me company. That's yeah. awesome. So what a great thing to Linda, have. She's like, she was rather progressive in, you know, bringing in D&D into the school, you know, ooh, well, you know, been, especially in a small town where there could have been some. Well, mazes and monsters hadn't come out yet, <laughs> but, but, um, but um, yes, that actually sort of came into play a little bit um, when people started to sort of like say all these nasty things about, it. of course, what it was doing is the thing that grownups never want kids to do, which is connect and have freedom. And like, you know, it's like rock and roll, you know, Dean, you know, there's always something to push against, you know, um, mm-hmm. right. you know, and, and so, um, but yeah, uh, one week uh, we'd been playing like maybe nine or 10 weeks and she came in and she asked us a question about like the demons in D and D and is that okay with us? And we were like, no, we want to keep playing. It's so cool. <laughs> but she sort of had to slowly phase it out, I think. Oh, um, but, but us kids, continued to play like i go over to to mike's house and 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 he'd run games and we all like took turns dming and it was so much fun and and i i continued to play uh all the way through uh through college these are some of my my uh my i got nice. greyhawk greyhawk adventures oh, here oh my god then this is like the second edition player's handbook i don't know if this is college or or graduation but yeah so like i i you know it, it stayed with me you know Kept yeah up with it. And you, love- you guys, you guys would be surprised at how many people in my industry play. I mean, it's it's astonishing the number of people who see me wearing a t-shirt and like, you know, and, yeah. and that's that's increased even more in the last like five or six years, right? Yeah, it's really cool. It's great seeing it be part of the culture now. So, are you seeing it like people in your industry who are recently getting into D anD D, or they're like like you and they've played D anD D most of their their lives? No, like longtime people long-time who've DVD. played most of their lives. Yeah, I mean, like I have, I'm fortunate in that I have long stand, long long term relationships with people. I like tend to work for people over and over again, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like the people that I work with generally about ninety five percent of them. And um, so yeah, so like, uh, but but then you know, recently a lot of new players have been coming up. There's like a whole community that I'm like sort of just dipping my toe into. I don't play. I play uh, with a group called Severed Sons, 
Um, I, they have a, a live uh, a game that they play. Um, I, that's a podcast. Uh, I do that sometimes, but I'm slowly dipping my toe into the sort of Twitch world of broadcasting. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. My my game that I run now is private and has been for the last three years. That's great. Yeah. yeah, I want to go back a little bit to the gifted program because I mean I'm not t- tying my horn either, but I was in in sixth grade invited to that uh, a little bit later than you. I think it was like 1989, 90, mm-hmm. um, and it was eye opening because I had all the the behaviors that you're describing that were detriments to most of my school career suddenly were uh, given outlet, uh, and I, I think I still have so many amazing memories from the one year uh, that I was in that program. Um, you know, we were creating, it was like world building. I remember one project where we were creating an entire planet uh, together and like all the, the ecos- ecosystems and how they worked with each other. You know, we went to museums, we went to New York City for the first time, we went to go see like the MoMA oh my God. and all these things. And uh, that was in sixth grade. And in seventh grade, the program was cut because oh. school budgets, uh, just as they were, like, you know, just got cut and cut and slashed. And I, you know, I, I know that's, that there, there are very few gifted programs out there now in the public education system. There should be more. But I love that D&D kind of became that surrogate uh, for that outlet, right? Even just the things that I talked about where you have to have art, you know, an appreciation for, for storytelling and world building and artwork and all these things. You know, like I feel like for, for a lot of parents out there listening who want to get their children, you know, uh, uh, exercising their brains a little bit more than they might get from, uh, the normal projects at school, you know, that's why D&D is so valuable to them. Well, I mean, you know, like, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is like kids, you know, they're, they're, they're all at the start of their hero's journey. Yeah. And, and, you know, what better opportunity to kind of experience that in a, in an understandable way. The world is so chaotic, especially now, you know, what better way to, to, to have that experience in an understandable way than, than in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a it's a really special thing, um, and and you know when the obstacles for heroes come up in a game, well obstacles come up in life too, and mm-hmm. like you know a good D and D game if if run by a, a good DM is is a, is practice for life, in in some ways it's certainly great practice for a writer's room. Um, mm. You know uh, currently right now I'm working for uh, with uh, David Simon, who created The Wire. Nice. And it's oh. a dream come true. And he is a world builder, a master world builder. And um, I cannot tell you how quick on my feet I am because I also have a game with that I run for some very smart actors, writers, directors. Like David will probably give me a small amount of shit for, <laughs> um, and you can bleep that if you need to, but uh, <laughs> he will probably give me a small amount of shit for, for saying this on the air that I play D&D and it applies to our writer's rooms, but it does. You know, yeah, you got to be quick. How, on, you gotta, like, how, how, give some examples because I think that's something that really, I, I mean, I, I'm fascinated with that idea that like that playing this game can exercise those muscles and make, you know, working in a writer's room that much more enjoyable for people. Well, like structurally, like if you're creating a pilot, you have something called a cold open in a pilot. And for sort of non-writers out there, uh, uh, you know, a cold open is like the, the, uh, the, uh, the scene that drops you into the whole thing and kind of sets up the thing. And it's also, it's also, especially for network television, it's the thing that holds your attention uh, that wants you to come back after the commercial, right? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know what a, what a, uh, uh, but you know, uh, in terms of movies, like, you know, the, the, the cold open, I guess for star Wars is that big space battle that starts. Right. I mean, you know, that's, that's, it's, that's the first scene that you're dropped into that creates all of the events that are going to sort of happen afterwards. Um, and you know, in a writer's room though, you're going to try on 17 different cold opens, just like you do as a dungeon master. You know, do I want to start them, you know, in a cave? Do I want them all to be all of a sudden resurrected in a morgue in water deep? And they, none, nobody remembers who they are. You know, uh, do I want to start them at a tavern? You know, I mean, there's like great cold opens for a Dungeons and Dragons game. And like in a writer's room, you got a boss who's like the showrunner, right? And you got to be quick on your feet because... You know, they're going to say, how about this one? How about this one? You can't stay attached to what the cold open is because it's going to change, mm. especially after you get network notes. So it really, it's really also, I'm a Buddhist. So it's also, a, uh, you know, when you're working in a writer's room or playing a game of D&D, for me, it's an exercise in non-attachment. You know, it's the old joke about like, you say, okay, you come upon a warehouse and the player goes, you know, well, is, that a, is that a house or is it a house that's like part werewolf? And you're like, well, it is now, you know. <laughs> so, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do that, you know. Especially with a room of really smart players who are really creative, and that you're encouraging creativity, and that's just like a writer's room. Yeah. You want people to come up with good ideas, and I'm not interested in whose idea it is or if it's the perfect idea. I'm just interested in like you know playing out what's effective and what's and what's interesting, and that's that's just true in D and D and in a writer's room. You know, you have to. It's a communal event. You know, that is, does that make sense? Does that answer yeah. your question? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, but what a great way to just live your life with this like idea of like not being attached to, I mean, look, if anything, the last year has taught us like, <laughs> you know, she can, can hit the fan. Like at any <laughs> moment, you don't know what's coming up next. You don't know. Like you just, it, it's just, it's a great attitude in real life and also in your game life, but. I think that's what we need more of. The Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had the good fortune to work with like great world builders too. And they're like an example of, of how to do it. I worked, um, I worked, I wrote for Tom Fontana uh, for a while. He's a mentor of mine. He created Oz. Um, I've worked for uh, uh, Scott Gimple, who's the showrunner of The Walking Dead or now various Walking Dead things. Mm -hmm. um, I worked with, um, I worked with uh, Sam Ismail who created Mr. Robot. I mean, like all of these guys, unbeknownst to me have been mentors in terms of me telling better stories and that better storytelling applies to D&D. And especially during the pandemic, when we went from playing, we play once a month because my games are pretty complex. They have lots of sculptures that I make in them and stuff. Um, I have, I have props for later. I, I'll, I'll, I, I was told that you would show us. <laughs> yeah, so. I will. Okay. I will. Um, <laughs> but you know, these, these showrunners that I've worked for have, have, you know, because I'm a writer too, in addition to just acting for them, have made me a better storyteller. And and that applies to my games as well as my life, I hope. I mean, if I'm on a good day, uh, you know, on a, on, on a bad day, I, I'm trying to railroad my characters and I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I, I think that's the one thing that I, as a, as a writer myself, I've learned over decades. And I think I attribute it mostly just to getting older and being less precious about my talent, uh, and I think D and D actually was a contributing factor. Like you're saying, like you just have to realize that you're going to fail, uh, and that brilliant idea that you may have once it interacts with other people may get better, and that's yeah. okay, and that's that's good. That's what that's what good writing is, and that's what a good writer's room will do. 
um, instead of just being like, well, this is my idea and I need to hold on to it and stake my claim around it and, you know, and, and beat off anybody with a stick who wants to change it. You know, the, as you were saying about railroading, like, I mean, that's not going to end up being a good experience for every single person at the table. And that's something that all writers and creators should think about. Well, one of the best things that ever happened in the game that I'm currently running now, my group is called, they're, they're called the Skullbusters. And uh, they started off in Waterdeep and Waterdeep and Troll Skull Alley, where all great adventures start in, <laughs> in, in the Waterdeep world. And, and um, I had this whole like plan and I had all, all these plans laid out and I had the city laid out and I did all the stuff and they decided out of nowhere that they were going to take over the town council. <laughs> and they ended up, you know, as they rose in level, they ended up becoming the, the, um, the Lords of Waterdeep, the mass Lords of Waterdeep, I think is yep. the, is the term for them. And um, well, that threw all of my plans upside down, but it was great, you know, and now they're on a mission to save the city and they have to go through, uh, through Lolth's uh, Menzo Berenzan. Uh, they have to go through the, uh, the city of the drow in order to, uh, uh, keep an asteroid from destroying the city. Um, and like, I never expected any of that, you know? And now there's sort of like, um, I hope I can say this, Avengers level, like their 17th level. So I want to give oh, them cool. more big, big Thanos style problems. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, so that's cur currently what's happening. But that never would have happened if they hadn't like upended my ideas and given me something totally unexpected. You know, some people can feel very threatened by that. And I understand that. But if you lean into the yes, it makes you a better player and a better, a better dungeon master. So it, you listen to Dragon Talk. So I'm sure that you, you know all about my apprehension about being a dungeon master. Although like, I just, I want to, I, but you know, the, I heard. The yeah. Like there. last, you talked about it last week on the last episode I talked about. And I, I just, I'm, 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 I'm not judging. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, listen, I was an actor for a long time before I became a writer and, and I, because I was apprehensive about that. So I get it. So when you're talking about leaning into the yes, which yeah. I love now, if when I'm going to say when I will DM again. But so when I do that, I want my players to feel because my favorite moment when playing with especially new players is that when they get it they're like oh my god i can do anything like i can literally just do anything yes that is i want them to feel that and i want them to feel like they're part of the story i don't want to make the same mistakes that i did before with the railroading the like be getting thrown because they went in a different direction and i didn't know how to fix it um but how do you as a dungeon master like give into that like to the whole the idea of just letting your players just have that freedom and just go crazy but also have the confidence of oh i know i can handle like because you're saying i didn't know i didn't expect this to happen and in my mind i'm like that would be terrifying but, <laughs> like how how do you like just have that confidence that no matter where they go you're gonna you'll know how to keep the story going and you, you'll just, you'll handle it. How? Uh, well, I mean, like you've already done most of it. I mean, you're doing research already talking to everybody that you talk to and everybody that you interview on the show. I mean, like my wife and I are most known for writing a play called The Exonerated. And we went out and talked to um, uh, people who had been on death row who were later found to be uh, innocent by the state and were released, right? So every, everybody we talked to had been on death row from anywhere for two to 25 years. Oh. Um, and I learned so much about storytelling and hero's journey just from listening to each of them. We talked to like 40 people on the phone, 20 in person, uh, going through very intense things, right? All of that listening that we did um, 
uh, ended up informing the play that we created. So I do the same thing as a dungeon master. What I'm doing, first of all, is I'm, 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 I'm doing as much research as I can. And that involves listening to my players, but it also involves in reading as much about the world that I'm, I'm popping them into as possible. So, you know, I read the Waterdeep book as many times as I could. Um, I, I gave rough sketches for characterizations uh, for the main 10 characters. And then, you know, usually I start off a game by presenting them with three choices that are really well researched. Now they might go for choice number door number four, um, but because I've done all of the background stuff that I need to do, I can be confident in that whatever they present me, uh, because I've done that research, then I'll, I'll give them a satisfying uh, evening or, 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 or session. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're doing the work already. You've talked to all these people who play and who dungeon master and who design like you. I always have confidence that I know more than I know. And that's, that's the main, that's the main, that's, hi, how are you doing? (laughs) How, how old? Uh, Just turned eight. Hey, all right. All right. Hi, buddy. (laughs) I have, uh, I have my 11 year old daughter. She just, uh, you know, the other thing too is DM kids. Like if you get a chance to DM like a group of kids. Yeah. It's like great because they're like, you're just playing like you do what I do with my daughter. You know, I DM'd right. her for the first time a, a little while ago. Um, and um, it, it went really, really well. She's, uh, she's a, a, a sort of a half elf uh, druid named Isla Woodholm. And she's very, she's a very opinionated uh, uh, being. And, um, and, and, and they, you know, they, uh, they, uh, ran into a bunch of kobolds and, and talked them out of, uh, doing the evil thing that they were doing. (laughs) It was, and they, they chose not to fight, which was, which was really interesting. It was interesting to see her like using a lot of, uh, persuasion roles to, with, with, uh, with kobolds to like solve the problem. It was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And And that's the type of thing where like, they don't have the expectations of like, oh, okay, cobbles, we're going to get into a fight. Let's just bash them, right? Like they have all this this non-traditional thinking that just creates these wonderful stories that you didn't even anticipate. And that makes it fun for you as the dungeon master. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I don't mean to like make too much of a, of a thing, but like being being a good DM is, is, is a little bit like being a good parent. You know, mm. you, you provide a little bit of structure and then let, let, the, let the kids fly, you know? Um, and you know, again, the best writers' rooms that I've been in have felt like a good Dungeons and Dragons game. Um, do you guys want to see my? Um, I, I run my game. I use a lot of three D stuff. I don't. I'm not a three D printer guy, though. I sculpt everything by hand. Oh um, my god! Yeah. Wow. Do, do you want to? Okay, so I'm going to show you. I'm gonna, I brought props. Yes. Yes. Okay, so this is kind of how they start out. Now this is all messed up because he's gone through the sculpting process. But this is sort of an elven. Uh, uh, what I wanted to make was a fallen down statue head. So Ooh. I sculpt it. I sculpt it in clay first, right? Yeah. And then um, I make a um, I make a rubber mold. They're like two halves of them that fit together, right? And that goes around the that goes around the thing. And then I pour a plastic version. <gasps> so this is the plastic version of that guy. He's got wow. like a cool kind of LV design in the back of his head. Really. And then uh, I take that and I deconstruct it and it's a <gasps> fallen down head. And if we, let's see, if I put my little guy next to it, you can see like for the scale, the scale there's no. a guy. Way. Yeah. That so that's, super cool. that's kind of got an LOTR kind of, Oh, a fallen statue from an ancient time. And that's, that's sort of a place where the, and then, so what I do then too, is I've made about 30 of these little floor pieces that I sculpted by hand. Oh Ooh. my God. 
And um, here's like a wooden one. That's like got little wow. mushrooms and vines on it. It's gorgeous. And then I populate it with things like this giant mushroom. Whoa. Oh and then my here's my favorite one. I, I finished this for you guys today. I wasn't going to finish this. And then I did. Nice. So this is my giant, giant illithid statue. <gasps> okay. Now, wait a second. Let me see if I can do this without knocking him over. Oh, um, he also has a, no. he has a, he has a brain in his hand. And it glows. That, okay. that lights up at a key point in the game. That's pretty cool, right? No. So cool. No. Yeah. Okay, everybody yeah. listening, you need to go to YouTube and watch this. Watch all these. <laughs> yeah. That is incredible. I I can I know exactly why you were in that gifted program. Well, my <laughs> no, it's not it's not quite that. My my uncles and aunts all um instead of fixing growing up fixing cars, which was one option. Um, uh, I was a kid who grew up, my uncles and aunts were all sculptors and, and, and artists, drawers. Anybody can learn, anybody can learn to do this stuff. Anybody, you just need the right push at the right time. And so instead of fixing cars on the weekends, like my buddies did, um, I was drawing and sculpting and painting. So it just was a sort of a, it's like cleaning the yard, you know, it's just like a thing that we did. So, but I love how Dungeons and Dragons can kind of just activate different parts of your creative you know, output, right? Like there's some people who love to do what you're talking about, like sculpting and, and some people just like painting mini. Some people like creating their tablescapes to be, you know, uh, where they all are or music. I mean, I see a lot of music behind you too. Uh, you yeah, know, totally, yeah. Bring that into their games and it really does create this idea that like these sessions are just pieces of artwork that we only experience for that moment where you're, everyone's at the table together. Well, and you know, the cool thing about, I mean, it's, there's nothing cool about the pandemic. It's been really, <laughs> really quite difficult. But, you know, the cool thing about, about having my good friends who are all writers, actors, dramaturgs, directors in my game uh, during the pandemic was that I couldn't rely on these sculptural things anymore. I really had to do a lot of theater of the mind. Mm. And because uh, um, I'm, I'm not uh, well-versed with the sort of various amazing digital gaming platforms that are out there. So we just did ours on Zoom and it became very theater of the mind. So I had to be an even better storyteller. I mean, look, you can play this game anywhere. You don't even need dice. You can right. play a game of D&D with just people talking. And, and uh, there's a there's a person that I just talked to who did that. And it was the way he described it was super cool. So yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. It. Yeah. All right. Well you, uh, I mean, going a little bit back to your acting career, uh, you, I love that you've uh, uh, said that you play Lester Bangs and Thurman Munson yeah. uh, and, and they share a mustache. How did, <laughs> yeah. how, what, what, what were those two projects? Yeah. If I ever play David Crosby, I'll have rolled the trifecta. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, well, the, 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 the Thurman Munson thing was something I was hired for. Um, I gained uh, 25 pounds to play a very famous baseball player named Thurman Munson, who was a, a New York Yankee who died tragically in the uh, early 80s. Um, and he was uh, uh, the captain of the Yankees, uh, 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 sort of a beloved catcher and, and very gruff. Um, so there was a lot of, uh, that was an interesting Unless part. Unless you were a Red Sox fan, he was not. Yeah, right. Fan. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was an interesting part because like there was a lot of video. So I had to become somebody people were familiar with. Mm. Um, and also people had their preconceived ideas about who he was. And I had to kind of throw all that away and come up with my own idea. Um, so that was cool. So we got, you know, there was a, a John Turturro played Billy Martin and we played all the Yankees. And then in terms Wait, of the last HBO uh, movie, 
It was a it was a mini series called The Bronx is Burning. Yes. And um and uh yeah, it was a, it was like six or eight episodes. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe you were in that, man. That was It was amazing. so I, cool. My buddy Daniel Senyata played Reggie Jackson. I mean, it was like really cool, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh who played Steinbrenner? It was Oliver Platt, right? Oliver Platt, yeah. Yeah, Ollie. That's the second time I worked with him. He's a great actor. That's incredible. Um, I remember anyway, I, was, I think I was in New York at the time that, that premiered, and I remember being really excited about uh, about seeing it. I didn't have HBO at the time though, so I don't think I've ever actually <laughs> seen it, but I remember seeing it advertised everywhere in the city at that time. Yeah, no, it was super cool. It was like the dream of a lifetime. I got to play baseball, which is just like, you know, ever since I was a kid, you know. Yeah. Um, in terms of Lester Banks thing, though, that that came out of my own passion. Um, after my parents uh, finally, thankfully, got divorced, um, I uh, went to live with my cousin for a while while they were settling all that, and, and he had a Cream Magazine and Rolling Stone magazines under his bed. Mm. Um, there are a lot of different things one could have under their bed, but this was, this was the best thing <laughs> you could find. Um, and I, I, I think I encountered Lester there for the first time uh, in, in, in his magazines. And then, of course, the great Phil Hoffman played him in Almost Famous. Yeah. And uh, I started to read to my wife out loud, who's my collaborator, from a book that Lester Bangs, the gonzo rock critic, wrote called Psychotic Reactions to Carburetor Dung. And then I realized it would be a play. So we contacted mm. the estate. Uh, and then we started the long journey of of creating a one-man play about Lester Bangs, which uh, ended up uh, after several tries at Steppenwolf and other places, ended up at the Public Theater in New York. And I got to do it there, which was, and all of Lester's friends came, including oh. Griel Marcus. Yeah. All these other writers came. I'm friends with Jan Uzelski, who was a, a premier, like, important female rock journalist when it was a boys club. Um, I'm, I'm friends with all of his friends now, which is really great. That's surreal. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. What, and what year was that in uh, at the public? Oh, I can't remember the year. We're turning it into a, a movie now. So um, that's kind of top secret, but I guess I said it out loud. So All it's right. not top secret anymore. <laughs> we'll fix that in post. Because um, I feel like I remember that show too when I was there. Because I was there from like 2000 to 2009. Yeah, we have a lot of connections, Greg. We have a lot of, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, that we if we sat down and had coffee, which I hope happens someday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, you know, and, and you too, Shelly. Um, um, but we, <laughs> we know a lot of people in common. Yeah. But, but I'm buying for both you guys. So, uh, cause Sweet. I really feel, I really feel fortunate to be able to listen to your show. I just really like, especially all the designers you talk to, it's just great. You know, it is super so. fun. I'm so glad that you're now a part of that now too. So, yeah. um, so yeah, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, what it's like now that you're showing your, your D and D campaign and being, uh, a little bit more public with it, um, or, and joining other podcasts and other things like Severed Sons, like, What's that like actually finally being out as a uh, as a D&D fan? Well, I mean, first I had to come out to my wife, which was a super interesting thing. We <laughs> we were we were writing a play that a Dungeons and Dragons type game takes place in. Oh, okay. Um it's not a, a giant part of the play, but it's part of the play. And um so she's like, "Okay, great. You do all the D&D stuff, I will do all of the all of the character stuff." And I was like, "Great. We separate our things." And then about halfway through, she said, okay, this is bullshit. <laughs> she said, I think I need to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons in order to, in order to, in order to do this. And I was like, okay, I guess oh. I could do a one shot for my wife. <laughs> so I gathered some friends together. And after the game, she said, oh my God, I love this. Oh. And she, and she said, can we do it again? And that's been my most recent three-year game. Nice. Which, like I said, is in my house usually, and in, and it's very private, you know, because D and D was my way out when I was a kid. So it's a very private, precious thing that I that I keep to myself, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm two ways about it. First of all, I'm really excited that everybody loves D&D as much as I do now these days. Um, but I'm also like, gosh, you know, am I ready? And I think, Shelly, that goes to the DMing thing. Like, I feel a lot of the same things that you do. And, and I feel like I'm a really experienced storyteller and a relatively experienced DM. I feel like, I, you know, in my mind, in my heart, I'm scared. I'm still that 11-year-old kid who's afraid that it's not going to go over or it's not going to it's not going to work. And, you know, I'm surrounded by wonderful people. And so because I'm surrounded by wonderful people, it, it does, you know? Yeah. So wait, I, I want to go back to your wife playing D and D cause yeah. Like, okay. Like, but so it, two things, one, what did she think about D and D before she played? And was it like, how was it different? And two, you're talking about it being something that you keep really close to you because it was your escape. Did you have a hesitation and introducing her to this hobby that was so important to you, like her in particular, because she's also someone who's very close to you. Um, well, like whatever you do, you are revealed. And whatever you love, that reveals something about you. And um, I think that, you know, she is not interested in uh, Lord of the Rings. She's not interested in fantasy. She doesn't read science fiction. She's, uh, you know, uh, very, she's got a very academic, she teaches at Juilliard. Uh, she teaches uh, storytelling, and uh, she knows a lot about that. Um, she t talks a lot about storytelling and um, the the positive effects that it has on your sort of neurology, on your brain, on your brain chemistry. Oh, cool. um, yeah, um, and so like, but she she's like very she's academic. You know, she's an actor and a writer as well, but she's different than me. Mm -hmm. So I was a little nervous that she wouldn't like me anymore. <laughs> oh. You know, I was a little nervous that, you know, the, the, the first, you know, and then, you know, about a year and a half into the game, I ended up killing her character one episode. <laughs> okay. Then I might worry that she's not going to like you anymore. <laughs> she was like, and she was like, what? How dare what? you? What? This can you know, happen. But I had to, I had to like kill the healer, you know? I mean, like it made the game that much better for the, you know, and then she, you know, she got resurrected. So it was like ultimately okay, but she was out for about a half an hour. <laughs> Oh, so man. you know, and it, and you know, in bed Bold at night, move. yeah, it was like in bed at night. She's like, I can't believe you killed Mardred, and I was like, Well, it, it just it was inevitable, you know. I, I was in a, I was with, um, I can't, who's the writer uh, who did, uh, oh, the, uh, he's a wonderful writer. Uh, uh, oh, what's the Martha and Edward Albee? Edward Albee taught a writing class, and he said. Um, one of the things that I use in D&D is avoid the obvious and do the inevitable. You know, it was inevitable that her character needed to die. So, you know, yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, but, you know, she knows a part of me now and we, we have this new language. And I think as a team, because we write together, we've become better writers together because we spend all this time. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah, definitely. So, a couple goals so, yeah. there, though. I mean, I, I, I it's very similar uh, story. I was writing. I will. I was writing a uh, uh, article on indoctrinating my wife. We called it indoctrination. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm gonna teach her how to play some video games. Uh, you know, teach her to play D and D. And I got some theater people who I played D and D with. Who I'm like, oh, this would be perfect for it. And she had the exact opposite direction. Person. And she's a theater person. She was just like, no, this is weird. That guy had an accent, and I don't. I don't <laughs> 
I don't really like doing accents. Uh, do I have to do an accent now? And uh, did not enjoy it and, and love it as much, you know. Uh, but it's a similar thing where I was like, I don't know if she's going to you know, be on my side anymore uh, or want to be married to me after I show her all this part yeah. of my life. Totally. Well, I mean, it's just like, I mean, I love the variety of, of human beings that are playing this game now. I mean, yeah. and I learned so much from them. I've been um, uh, 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 watching Black Dice Society. I've been um, checking out uh, a lot of the people that are on the show, actually, obviously, uh, Matthew Mercer and those guys, um, you know, and it's just it's so um, it's I'm, I'm just learning so much. Uh, and, and there's, you know, again, when I was a kid, there was no Internet. So there wasn't the yeah. opportunity for this. You could only do it through magazines um, is, is how you learned about stuff. And this is just like a whole new thing now. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I hope there's don't people don't feel the expectation that they have to do it publicly because right. doing it privately is very cool. And yeah. it's just as good for you, you know? So for sure. But you got yeah. you, you and your wife are about to embark on a, on a bard quest. Uh, oh yes! <laughs> oh, you got that. You got that propaganda. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, well, it's not me and my wife. My wife's producing it. Um, uh, one of the I, I met a guy who's an amazing actor. Um, he was just in the report with Adam Driver. Um, he's actually a voice on Magic: The Gathering, Duels of the Planeswalkers. Oh, no um, he was in this show, Future Man. His name is Phaedra L. Casey, and he is one of my best friends, if not my best friend. And um, we decided after having all these people who were showrunners, actors, writers, directors, that we wanted to do a podcast um, where we would interview all of these people about the Venn diagram of Dungeons and Dragons and storytelling and how they intersect. Um, so again, writers, actors, producers, showrunners, monologists, um, some of the people we're going to have on the show uh, were we've already interviewed are Joel Marsh Garland from Orange is the New Black. He's a wonderful uh, a character actor. Um, Mike Daisy, who I'm sure you know, Greg, he's a, a well-known storyteller and monologuist, also an avid D&D player yeah. uh, his whole life. Uh, Jesse Alec, who's a dramaturg. Uh, if people out there don't know what a dramaturg is. They're a person who kind of does all the, the research for a play and enhances the storytelling and, and looks at if the play is being effective. He's another Dungeons and Dragons guy. And then um, I can't say who it is, but we're also interviewing a major, major, like, more major than you can imagine, Walking Dead creative, um, who's uh, uh, involved in world building on on uh, Walking Dead, nice. and um, so and who also plays Dungeons and Dragons. So we're going to have all these people on, and we're going to really drill down um, about storytelling and D anD D and how they um, how they enhance each other. And the show is called Bard Quest Empire, and uh, by the time this airs, we'll have had several episodes up. So, so is That's it one on ones with all of these people? When yeah. you're interviewing them? Okay. Yeah. So we, um, like, if possible, if everybody's vaccinated and stuff, we have them over to our house. And, um, you know, but, you know, uh, the Walking Dead folks, a lot of them live in LA. So, you know, that'll be, that'll be remote. Oh, that is such a cool idea. Well, so I mean, I mean, you guys are the inspiration, though. I mean, like, because, like, when you have, when you had Gail Simone on, for example, she's a, a comic book writer and other, and a gamer and all sorts of stuff. I was really inspired by that. And, and, uh, it's sort of kind of, I, I wanted to hear as much as much more. And, um, so that it's that kind of thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's something that, you know, a note that we've kind of hit a bunch of times throughout the 300 episodes of, of dragon talk here is that like how 
some creatives in in Hollywood a lot more now got their chops together by having this iteration of of having a gaming group every every week and 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 how that can be inspired. And I love that you're tapping into uh, some of these writers and talking to them about that. I, I can't wait to give it a listen. Bard Quest well, Empire. What a cool what a cool name too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because we live on the BQE. Which is which is a is, it's it's a horrible horrible highway that runs through New York through Brooklyn, um, and uh, and um, you know we have this weird BQE symbol above our door, and everybody asked what that meant. So Bard Quest Empires, the closest we could get to justifying the name. I love that. I love that. There's a line. Cool. I mean, so people know about the BQE. There's a line for Motherless Brooklyn uh, by Jonathan Lethem that said it. Uh, it's the only highway in. The city that you know has an inferior inferiority complex for never making it into Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. Well, my 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 old Italian neighbors who used to live there no longer with me, unfortunately. You know, would you know cursed Robert Moses's name like every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you know? Oh but, man. Yeah, yeah. So no, so it's going to be fun. I'm I'm not used to being a host. I'm used to being a guest. So that's an adjustment. But again, with everything, you learn as you go. So yeah. You're uh, now. I have to ask this since you mentioned the BQE. I was going to do this once the interview was done, but your uh, photo that you have uh, given to us for for promoting of you, yes, that's taken underneath the BQE across from Union Pool. Am I guessing that correct? It, you are absolutely oh, that's correct. Weird. Oh my god! It's like it's a blurry background. How do you know that? Because there used to be, you know, uh, uh, guys who would go and and I don't know, you just had that look. I'm like, that's exactly where I, I used to live, right there. Oh, that's exactly where uh, we, were, we were neighbors. How come we've never met before? That's that's what I'm, yeah, coming down to here, right? I used to live on Lorimer and Skillman. Uh, was my first apartment in New York, and then uh, ended up moving to Bedford later on. But man, it, no, I no, it's, I'm I'm glad it's bringing back memories. I, I I I haven't stared at your photo for a long time yet, but I promised to. <laughs> that is so crazy that you would recognize that. Um, it's it's it was an iconic place, and it's a great place to take pictures because you get that natural light, but you also have that like gritty New York feel underneath it. So it looks good on you. Thank you, I, Shelley. I hope I answered your question about DMing because I'm like so yeah. interested in what you have to say. I would be a very loyal player if you ever if you ever started up a game. I would love to come in and and oh my play. God, that's too much. That would it would be so much fun. Yeah. Um. um so if you ever if you ever wow. get one going online, I'll, I'll I'd love to. I mean, again, I, I don't want to impose, but it's your game. So okay, yeah. well, okay. <laughs> I do a lot of role playing. I play a character named Penumbra Sick Whistle, who's. <laughs> I'm not sure I can keep this up for three hours, but he's a gnome artificer, oh. part bard, part artificer, and and I like to bite people's kneecaps. <laughs> I'm sort of chaotic good. But that's part of the chaos is the kneecap thing. I just have a thing for it, you know. Just like a little nibble here and there? or like <laughs> just a real, a, Yeah, no, it depends on whether I like them or not. <laughs> like a puppy. Yeah. Or less, yes. Like a like, Pomeranian. Yes, yes, I am. I, I, I would appreciate that. A year, a year as a puppy would be a lot of fun, actually. Oh, that's adorable. How can yeah. you say no to that, Shelly? I can't. <laughs> I can't. Okay. Consider me even more motivated now. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I'm there. I'm at your. I'm at your beck and call. You know. Um, da, 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 da. So uh, well, the podcast. This, I want to go back to just a yeah. little on the podcast. But so, can you give us any insights into like the intersection of D and D and storytelling and like did did you learn anything that was you know 
new to you, and I know you've been thinking about this for a while. Oh my god! <laughs> Speaking of, oh, he is so happy. You raised a happy kid. Well, we'll see. <laughs> there's, still, there's still time. <laughs> you know, I think the thing that I, I really learned the most is like, I, I, I'm excited. Like, for example, Mike Daisy is a premier monologuist. I hope I'm saying, Greg, am I saying that word properly? Monologuist? Or is it or is it monologuist? I used to say monologist. Oh, right on. <laughs> well, I used to say dro and rations because we had no internet. Oof. So it, it had to be rations. Yeah. Rations. Sometimes it still slips out. Um, but anyway, Mike Daisy is a monologist, and um, and he so he's he's a, a premier storyteller in the tradition of guys like Spalding Gray or Mark Twain, and he talks to an audience and sort of weaves tales. Right? He's a very different kind of dungeon master than I am. His his thing is is um, it, engaging in a lot more story than role playing. So like I'm looking forward someday to maybe playing with him because I think it will be, you know, here's the story of what my character is doing rather than here's my my role-playing opportunity, right? Um, you know, I, I mean, everybody's different in their approach. Uh, Joel Marsh Garland is an actor that we interviewed, and and his whole thing was about having fun and 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 finding the right finding the right improvisational thing to sort of like weave in at a particular time. He was always looking for those opportunities, but he's done like a lot of improv and a lot of performing, so that's his style. I think the thing that I'm learning is, and maybe you guys have learned this too in your 300 plus episodes, is everybody's got their own take. And that's okay. Like everybody's got their own way of doing it. And, and like, if you just embrace the yes and lean into that, you're going to be all right. You know, um, you, you, there's, there's no need to be scared of like new people or other people because everybody provides an opportunity to learn. You know, like I said, everybody's on their own hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're sort of meeting them at a particular time, you know, if they're cranky or if they're, you know, a little bit difficult or whatever, that's okay because it's, you know, that, that thing, that thing that you're right, the train that you're on together, uh, train is probably a bad word. Um, the, the, the adventure you're on together is going to, is going to get taken care of. Like the, the, the results will, the results will manifest themselves. Um, and that's like kind of the way movies go, you know, um, that's the way I, I, I just, so that's, that's kind of the, the insight that I have is, is everybody brings their own style to it. I think when I was a younger artist, I really wanted people to do things my way. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, my wisdom score has hopefully gone up over the years. <laughs> that's what you I've know? been saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it comes from the the getting work and, and getting shot down probably a few thousand oh, million times oh, and then you, oh my, you develop it. <laughs> oh my God. I, I was up for this Western and I really wanted it. I got shot down and told no next, you know, uh, you know, that's a good muscle, you know, getting used to that muscle is, is, is super important, you know? So getting used to that fact. Life yeah. Skills. For everyone. Yeah, yeah, totally. Definitely. Totally. All right. Well, I'm going to embrace the S yes, uh, I think going forward. Yeah, well, I just and you know, be unattached. I'm not, I'm not being prescriptive. <laughs> this is just my way, but I'm I'm a lot happier than I than I was before. So has it? I I don't know. I'm keep going back to your wife here, but has she em, employed any um, tenants from Dungeons and Dragons into her storytelling classes at Juilliard? Uh, she she actually has. She's talked oh. about it with her students, and and 
you know, um, we're going to have her as a guest on BardQuest Empire, and she, we're going to talk about the neuroscience of storytelling. Um, she talks a lot about Joseph Campbell. Campbell's referenced a lot on your show, mm-hmm. um, and 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 his sort of um, stuff. But she also talks about sort of um, things outside of Western storytelling. You know, there's a lot of storytelling traditions from all over the world that mm-hmm. that differ from the sort of, you know what what people have been consuming for the last 40 years. And so she talks about like why that's important and communal storytelling and the 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 effect that it has on the brain. It creates empathy. And when you create empathy, you know, storytelling really becomes a matter of survival. Um, you know, in our in the days where we told stories around the fire, um, you know, it was all about the mountain lion that lived over there. And you don't want to go over there because there's a giant mountain lion over there. And, you know, the stories over the years as we've become, you know, what we are now have just sort of, you know, gotten more complex and more interesting. And, and um, yeah, so she teaches, she teaches creators, she teaches both basically teaches actors what storytelling is. Um, and if they choose to engage with it, she teaches, she teaches them how to create their own, you know. So um, it's absolutely, Dungeons and Dragons is absolutely informed her approach. She's, uh, you know, especially collaborating with her in a writer's room. We're both a lot more flexible. I love it. That, yeah. 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 And really teaching cool. empathy. Like that's, I mean, you can't really teach empathy, but D and D somehow does that just by right. example. It teaches you listening too. I mean, yeah. like, I hope I've been a good listener today, but I, I, you know, growing up, I was a terrible listener because I thought that I was the center of the universe. And, um, and, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, playing over the years, it's just like really taught, it's really taught me to open up, uh, my, and, and, and spend less time, uh, uh with myself. Cause I know that story already. Yeah. Yeah. The, just finding out that there, there are other people who have their own stories, their own needs, their, you know, they can, their assets to you too. Just yeah, take the absolutely. spotlight off yourself once in a while and just look around. Yeah, yeah. It's it improves your life, you know. It does. It does. All right. How do you involve your um your players in the world building that you depend I'm um, I'm sorry, it was too quick on the draw. Um it uh, uh well, Shelly, it, it depends on what kind of player they are. Um I have players who love to hack and slash uh in my game. I have players who love to role play, I have players who love who have very cinematic descriptions of what they do. And, you know, and I have players who are really into sort of problem solving and puzzle solving. My wife, uh, as a player, is really into strategy. And she's also into engaging in the games, uh, in, the, in the sort of persuasion aspects of the game that are in play with persuasion checks and, and insight checks and stuff like that. Um, she's super into, um, so each of those players presents a different series of things. And so what I like to try and plan out before the session is not exactly what's going to happen, but what they can engage with while it's happening that will, that will appeal to them. So I think that's the thing that I've gotten better at in the last three years playing with this particular group is like, you know, it's a smorgasbord of different things for different people, depending on what opportunities are presenting themselves. Now, if you're a good listener as a dungeon master, maybe somebody's feeling off that night and doesn't want to do the thing that they normally do. So you make an adjustment. You know, um, yeah. I mean, does that answer your question? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Very much. Cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, you know, for for players who are more into the combat and stuff like that, I try to streamline my combat as much as possible. 
Um, I sometimes will, um, rather than if, if there's a rule that comes up and there are thousands of rules that come up that I don't know the answer to, I really lean on my players to like, look it up, um, and, and, or justify it. And if they do a good job of justifying it, I just go with it. Um, sometimes if I'm like a little loose on a rule about a particular thing, I'll, re- I'll revert to old, uh, uh, second edition rules to just get me through or percentile yeah. dice to get me through. Like, there's no onus on a dungeon master to know everything and to have every answer. Uh, there are, you can lean on your players for that and just, you know, and fudging it is okay. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. okay to like come, come up with something in the moment if you don't have the immediate answer. So as not to slow the action down. Yeah. Um, the D and D beyond stuff that I use now helps with that a lot because I can do my prep and like populate my iPad with 20 different monsters, uh, magic items, treasure, et cetera, that I can just click on. Uh, that helps a lot, but I still like my, I still like my brick and mortar books too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I know it's not official, but you know, a shout out to my local D and D shop because they're awesome. Uh, they just opened up a few blocks away. So I'm, I'm making out a shout out to them, but we're going to have them on the podcast so I can like actually like say who they are then, but Where, unless it's okay to say it now, say what's it, it called? Yeah. Is it a called? They're called the 20 sided store. Oh yeah. Um, and they're on, do you know, have you? Yeah. I know Lauren, uh, Lauren Belanco. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one. That's yeah. one. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. I played a couple games at the store, and during the pandemic, they've just been amazing. You know, so so they, um, did they move locations? They're no, they're just about four or five blocks from my house. So they're still on uh, uh, the South Williamsburg side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Right, I love. They're that right idea. there. Yeah, they've expanded. I mean, they 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 really and they really created a sense of community when the pandemic hit, you know, uh, they yeah. did a great job doing that. So yeah, I'm oh, really so grateful funny. for them. Yeah. That's like two, I, uh, I mentioned them with, when I talked to the Brooklyn quarter, uh, folks who used to be Carol guardians, uh, uh, and, and have a thing in Carol gardens, uh, which was, awesome. Oh, I, so, I don't know about them. Well, it hasn't been, hasn't been out there yet on the, uh, on the feed, but they are also, they also recently moved to LA. So they're more LA folks now, but oh, right on. Uh, they used to be in Brooklyn as well. So, uh, so fun. We played with Lauren Belanco and, and our, our, her partner, um, uh, D and D in their apartment and, and small ass apartment in, in Carol gardens. <laughs> <laughs> why why the three of us have not met before is just beyond me. I mean, there's like so much that we have in common, but you know. It's so you awesome. Know, it's so yeah. We live in parallel lives. Didn't yeah. You? I know. Well, right? I thought you were going to say perilous lives. It's, it's <laughs> parallel and perilous. Maybe. <laughs> Let's roll with perilous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, super Under cool talking bridge. to you, uh, Eric. I love everything that you're doing. I love all your work. Uh, and, you know, just uh, scrolling through all of your IMDb is a crazy, like, exercise. And like, oh, my gosh, he was in that. And he was in that. And he worked on this. And he did this. It's so cool. And I love that you're embracing the Dungeons & Dragons community and, uh, you know, doing this podcast as well as being on yeah. Severed Sons and all the other stuff. Like, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, well, it's a it's a sort of a coming out for me, and thanks for for sort of being a part of that. Um, do you you guys are gonna you guys don't need my socials or anything like that? We'd love you? to have your We'd socials. Love, Give yeah, us your yeah. socials. Um, well, you can follow me at Eric Jensen one two three. That's E R I K J E N S E N one two three on Twitter. I'm E Jensen one two three on Insta. And if you're interested in our podcast, which will be which will have aired uh, several times on this uh, broadcast. Um, that's BardQuest E on Twitter and on Insta, it's BardQuest underscore Empire. Love I it. definitely want to check that out. 
Well, I, I just, um, you know, you guys are always welcome to to come visit in New York. Uh, we're here, and I hope I hope we do get to maybe maybe we'll go over to Union Pool and all have a drink together sometime. Maybe we'll nice. go to that spot under the bridge and all get our pictures. Apparently, that's the place to do it. The awesome fifties vehicles <laughs> that used to uh, be under there all the time too. Yeah, that's a that's a very angry looking picture of me. I think I'm a I think I'm a kinder person that that picture that that picture makes it. It's very dramatic. Yeah, so. you definitely got like yeah. that greaser, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of look. That's why I was like, I know where that is. That's Union Pool. I could tell. Is, yeah, no. So strange. The picture is all about my tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, well, thanks good. for having me, you guys. What a pleasure being here. Oh, and thanks so for the, good to talk to you. Thanks I'm, for the service you provide to the community too. Oh, well, thank you for the service yeah. that you are now providing to our community. <laughs> and now I want to move back to Brooklyn. All right. Sorry, Shirley. Oh, great. I'll see you later. No, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Wow, that was fun. What a I, great guy. I, I know. I actually kind of feel like I just want to go have drinks with Eric. Me too. Uh, he is a fantastic creative force. Uh, I, I love all of the the projects that he's worked on, and I, I'm, I'm amazed that we didn't cross paths when we lived in New York uh, together. Not that you I know mean, of. We were basically holding hands uh, the entire time, and we just didn't know it. That's how right. close we were. <laughs> and now you're this. It was all coming down to this very moment. I know. That's how it all yeah. it all it all comes back full circle. So very excited you got to meet him, and uh, I, I love that he's been a D and D fan throughout all of his career. I do like too. So many of our entertainment professionals. Inspired. For those of you who are excited to get into you know the theater kids out there, if you're excited to get into <laughs> the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, a Fey Wild adventure. Get out there and do it. There's nothing stopping you. It's at your local game store right now. Uh, the alternate copy looks especially beautiful. Um, mm. I have not actually seen it yet in the flesh, but I've seen pictures of it posted online, and you all should run to your local game store uh, and pick it up if you can. Uh, however, it's safe for you. If you want to order it through your local game store, you can do that as well. Um, but I, I want to hear from all of you what uh, what stories you're telling about the Fae adventures that you get up to yes tell me everything tell me about the characters you're creating tell me about the the characters you're encountering in the Mm. Feywild don't be too spoilery but I just I gotta know I just love this story so so much yeah I want to go to the circus well you shall take me to the other side to the witch light carny I want to be a carny and have big hands you can be. Well, we're going to. We're going to do it. Um, so if you want to find out about what is in The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, as well as what's coming in Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons and Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, you can do so. I guess the best thing to do is to download Dragon Plus to your phone right now. There's a new issue. Tons of interviews, previews, and other wonderful content around those three books. You'd be remiss not to get it, at least to see the cover image, which is, a again, a, just a wonderful reinterpretation uh, from Hydro 74 of one of our iconic D&D creatures, the unicorn. Mm. <laughs> it looks really cool. It really does. It's beautiful. As always, I love those covers so much. Yeah. Uh, uh, that content is still available at dragonmag.com as well. You can go to uh, the Yawning Portal 
uh, to get information about the virtual play weekends we talked about with Chris Tulock and uh, dndcelebration.com to find out, uh, you know, maybe take a little trip and explore the Witchlight Carnival on your own and Why not? solve some well, problems. Scary. I don't know if I want to go alone. You shall be there alone. Oh, I don't know. Hey, did you sign up for the D&D newsletter? You should. The official Dungeons & Dragons newsletter. I think that if you haven't signed up for it, you need to go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. There's a big call out right there that says join our newsletter or subscribe to our newsletter. And you button. should do it because um, I happen to know that our newsletter subscribers are going to be treated to some very special content sometime in the near future. Not that all the content's not already special, but even more special. So just stay in the know. Mm. You're going to get newsletters with just all the hot takes coming right at you, right in your inbox. And we just make it real easy for you to stay in touch. It's it's great stuff. Like and subscribe. Uh, get on that. As well as check out all the wonderful content on YouTube from D&D Celebration, including live games, amazing panels uh, from our community, as well as... Uh, product information from some of the D&D designers, which, you know, is always good stuff. Oh, Shout out that is. to uh, Brandy Camel, community manager, for putting together a lot of those panels, as well as Pelham Green for working with all of the folks for the live game uh, around D&D Celebration, and then, of course, Chris Tulock for helping out all with the organized play stuff. Uh, and Toby Maharis, who is also an unsung her- hero, who is our event manager and uh, just kept the ship going. And just manages all of that stuff. He's the best. He's the captain. He's got a tri-corner hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great visual. I know. Actually, I, I could see him doing that. I He's got one of the best do. cameras uh, uh, in the biz for, for, for Zoom meetings, I do have to say. I know. Um, so, yeah, all those amazing folks. Uh, and we are going to close this all out. Follow D&D uh, at wizards underscore D&D wherever you can. You can follow me at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And you can follow me at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, I also want to make sure everyone knows that Ryan Marth is an amazing person who is listening to us record these intros and outros for the second time uh, today. And... <laughs> To Lisa Carr for helping us out, booking all of our wonderful guests, as well as listening to this for a second and, time. And today. why are we listening to it for a second time? Because <laughs> I screwed up and <laughs> didn't record like I was supposed to. There were gremlins in your machine. Yeah, oh, no. I, mine's not recording now. Just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> Got gotcha you all. No, gotcha. I rolled my inside check. You didn't, you didn't sell me on that one. Um, but speaking of which, Junkie Two Shoes is down a hole. Uh, you are in the lower ward of Waterdeep investigating doppelganger enclave that Laryl Silverhand sent you to investigate and or eliminate because they are planning her eventual overthrow. Uh, after speaking to a halfling guard uh, in the storeroom, you eventually snuck past him, got down the ladder into a large cellar underneath the city where your amulet that allows you to detect doppelgangers' true forms uh, allows you to see three doppelgangers, in fact, as well as several halflings uh, who look like they are laboring under duress by the doppelgangers. Uh, Three of them turn towards you and start to draw their weapons, and one of them, in a very strange voice, uh, says to you, You're not allowed here. What do you do? I say... Is this the restroom? 
no. And he walks forward with a pointy, uh, you get like a glint of uh, light coming in from the trapdoor that shines on his short dagger. Well, in anticipation of rolling initiative, I just critted my initiative. I, I, <laughs> I, got, I got a 22, so beat that, sucker. Uh, sweet. Well, I got a five on the Ooh. die. So what are you going to do first? Well, first what I'm going to do is I'm going to cast this little bonus action here called Hail of Thorns. Thorns. And cool. I'm going to rain do? down some thorns if... Uh, Whatever I do on my my next ranged attack, I am going to do this as this is a bonus. So uh, in addition to the normal effect, um, each creature within five feet must make a deck saving throw. It's basically just going to rain down thorns all over these people. Awesome. Okay, so before you kind of get down and you have that little uh, 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 conversation with the doppelganger and uh, you cast the spell drawing your bow. I am actually, yes, going to... How did you know I was going to use my bow? <laughs> well, it's a ranged attack. I am going to use my bow, but first, as I cast that hail of thorns, I make it look like, oh, I really need to use the restroom. <laughs> and then I, like, thorns just, like, hover, like a cloud of them above. I pull out my bow, and I go, whoa, for a whopping 16. 16 is a hit. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to do a whopping three damage <laughs> with the bow. And then the thorns. But let me slide do my down. thorns. Hail of thorns. Here we go. And that's a one. So, yeah. <laughs> so much damage. Right. All right so, that's not uh, fair. Uh, Drunky lands on her feet, uh, casts uh, a rain of thorns, which they are swirling these like little small pieces of uh, wood above the doppelgangers. You shoot your bow and get them kind of in like a a, a glancing blow. Doesn't do too much damage, but does uh, draw some blood off their weird alien faces and and, and, uh, grayish skin. Uh, And then some of these thorns rain down upon them. Uh, one of them dodges out of the way and is not hit at all, uh, but the other two take uh, take that damage. That's all right. And then you take hear it. from up above uh, your brother, Daryl Two-Shoes, says, what's going on down there? Are you getting into a fight already? I heard you making chortling cat sounds. Get down here now! Samson says, we're on our way. Oh, I appreciate the urgency in your voice, Samson. <laughs> and the doppelgangers are uh, uh, drawing close. We'll see how they uh-huh. respond next time on Dragon Talk. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you.